Oh, we ha- I had some feedback from somebody who said that they are because they've been binging. Right. That they are bored of us explaining what the premise of the podcast is before every. Episode. Oh, okay. All right, fine. Hello and welcome to another instalment of Fifty Years of Shit Robots with Matt and Steve. Oh no, Steve's too. That's too casual, isn't it? Oh, Steve is is. I've got a mobile disco. Oh, that's really. <laughs> I, do, I do weddings and bar mitzvahs. <laughs> Steve's disco. I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. I'm really out of here. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages, along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt and Stephen. Now, we've been going for three weeks. This is our third actual week of podcasts, Stephen Murray. And I'm thrilled to say that we now have some data on who's listening and where they're listening. This is exciting, right? Yes, and and slightly scary. So, we have got um, listeners in both hemispheres, (gasps) north and south, and is that England or the world? <laughs> that is the world. <clears throat> so hello to our Australian listeners, plural. Uh, plural? Yeah, we've got a few listeners in Australia. And we are being listened to on four continents. So we're being listened to in Europe. Hello, United Kingdom, Belgium, Denmark and Germany. Um, <laughs> we're being listened to in uh, the US and Canada and We've got a listener in Kenya. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? So hello That's to brilliant. our Kenyan listener. And we probably need now to, to think about South America, to targeting South America, because we don't have any listeners in South America. I'll try and find a South American robot. Good. We'll sort that out. Brilliant. So thanks so much for listening. Please do remember to uh, subscribe and to share. If you've got mates who you think are into... Uh, sort of stupid nerdy sci-fi and they might like this, then why don't you let them know? We'd be very, very grateful. Okay, on to our next episode, which is a double feature. Um, We're going to be looking at shit robots from a 1938 series, The Phantom Creeps. And then we're also going to be looking at our first biggie. Very exciting. Uh, Later in this episode, we'll be looking at the Tin Man from The Wizard of Oz. Is he controversial? He is quite controversial, isn't he? Cool. Now, when I first heard the Phantom Creeps, those words, I thought, I always immediately thought of creeps as like an obnoxious person. But it's the creeping phantom, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah. A phantom that moves slowly and stealthily. Bella Lugosi. That is Bella Lugosi. Who, frankly, elevates this from <laughs> from something that is largely awful to something that is actually quite watchable. I do find him quite entertaining to watch. Well, yeah, he's 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 on the down at this at this point in his life, but he uh, he still gives wonderful performances. He puts his heart and soul into everything he does. So this is nineteen is it nineteen thirty eight nineteen thirty nine. That the Phantom Creeps yeah, comes yeah. out. It's coming on, towards on. the end of the 30s. Yeah, so it does say it's 1939 and it's a 12-chapter science fiction horror serial. 
So this would have been at least a decade, right, since uh, Dracula, since Bela Lugosi did Dracula. Yeah. And I was thinking to myself, because the, the, the plot of the story, the, the plot of The Phantom Creeps is that Bela Lugosi plays a mad scientist, Dr. Zorka, who is the inventor of various weaponry, which includes a devisualizer belt, nice little nod back to the uh, vanishing shadow. Uh, he also... Uh, has created robot spiders. That mesmerise people. (laughs) I think we definitely need to talk about them. He also creates an eight-foot-tall robot as well, which is called the robot. Yeah. So Dr. Zork has got this plan where he's going to build essentially an army of these giant eight-foot-tall robots. So, so Bela Lugosi is playing a mad scientist, obviously with his accent, which is Hungarian, isn't it? Be- Bela Lugosi it is, yeah. is Hungarian. I was wondering whether, whether it said something about, um, I suppose, maybe the rise of fascism in Germany, that you would have a, a sort of a villain with a foreign accent, essentially. I think all the technology as well that he's supposedly got at his fingertips as well was some, something that came from... Everybody was absolutely terrified uh, that the Germans were going to get nuclear uh, weapons. So there is that element of it, yeah. Yeah. I also think it's quite fascinating as well that scientists become villains. They're always seen as these uh, wonderful um, individuals that are going to save us all from diseases and create beautiful, comfortable futures. And then suddenly they become the villain. Yeah, they do, don't they? They have to go mad first, of course. Yeah, right. So it's sort of feeding into that, that I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. he is quite Hitlery, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, got, he's got a sharp beard on the bottom of his chin, as opposed to a little, uh, little piece of uh, gaffer tape on his upper lip. <laughs> yeah, but I suppose that is quite a European beard he's got, isn't it? Yes, and definitely a scientific beard. And and really, it's an evil beard, isn't it? It is, and he's a foreigner, so. Yeah. Um, Go figure, he's going to be the villain. Yeah. So right at the beginning of this uh, serial, we meet the robot. <sighs> but we we hear about the effect of the robot before we see the robot. There's a very, there's a little conversation between Bella Lugosi's character, Dr. Zorka, and his assistant, who we find out he is, uh, Zorka's broken out of prison. And this this assistant is worried about the 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 fact that the robot seems to always escape uh, sort yeah. of running, <laughs> running a mock out, out of control, but Zorka, with his arrogance, says that he, I can, I can control it. He says, <laughs> "Might get away like it did last time. I created it. I can control it or destroy it as I can you." And then we we see the the robot almost immediately um, in the film. In another panel that rises up. Behind another panel in a wall. As usual. Yeah. There are, there are quite a lot of similarities between this robot and other robots we've seen so far in the 1930s. Um, they immediately open up a hatch to see inside the robot. Yes. Yeah, which, yeah, yeah. which has happened in, I think, every single, every single film so far. Um, and it's full of, again, it's gears and stuff isn't it and cranks and it's almost like he's a magician and he's proving to the audience there's no man inside here (laughs) yeah 
One thing I did notice, though, that is very different, a real advancement in technology from the last (laughs) robot we saw, uh, which is where the claws... They're still they're still sort of grabby claws, but they, the ro- robot has fingers now. He does have fingers. He does. Um, so he can I don't know his levels of dexterity must have greatly increased with, yeah. <laughs> with those fingers. That he's, got. he's a more efficient throttler. <laughs> yeah. Well, is he though? Uh, I'd no. say he's almost less <laughs> less efficient. <laughs> always less efficient. So when we see the robot. It is impressive. You've got to say that, I think, because it's so tall, eight foot tall. Yeah. Um, it's controlled by a remote control, which, again, other robots again, that we've seen. Uh, on his arm. On on Dr. Zorka's arm, which, again, is very similar. But it's the head, I suppose, really, that uh-huh. is, sort of distinguishes this robot from other robots we've seen. It looks like a giant baby's head that's <laughs> very disgruntled. A giant disgruntled baby's head is a very good way of describing it. It is it's so peculiar. It's so singular looking, isn't it? It's um, Yeah, I think it's disconcerting the yeah. head. It st- sort of stops you in your tracks a little bit, I think, Matt. Because you're <laughs> you're not expecting that because because you, previous robots that we've we've enjoyed in cinema in the nineteen thirties, all very boxy. Uh, like a child has drawn them. Um, like a water uh, heater, a boiler. <laughs> like a boiler, yeah. That is a perfect way of describing it. But here we are confronted with a much more sort of human looking. Yeah, he's uh, curvy. And I think that it does stop you in your tracks a little bit. Um, however, again, quite quickly, it seems that even the serial the phantom creeps recognizes that they they are in possession of a really shit robot because there's a lovely really lovely sequence where you've got dr zorka using hyperbole about the about the robot saying things like what could the police do against an army like that and also uh, he calls the robot maybe the most powerful man in the world and but while you... he's saying that, it's out of control. <laughs> yeah, it's it's walking across the lab and just walking through a screen. It walks into a wall at that point, yeah. which I thought was really <laughs> funny. And it does it in such a lumbering way. Right. And then also, after it's knocked this screen over, it sort of then tries to, oh, pick it up and, oh, sorry, you know, oh, sorry. <laughs> I've done that. <laughs> oh, so, just put me back in the cupboard. Oh. And, and, and at that point... Uh, Dr. Zorka's wife turns up, who is very much not down with uh, Zorka's maniacal uh, plotting. She's definitely not on the same page as him when it comes to world domination. She's a bit upper crust, isn't she? She's upper crust. She's very sort of wants him to do the right thing. She wants him to to give the technology he's got over to the uh, US government. Um, But in in a sort of way of sort of placating her and showing her that that everything's great and and he's using <laughs> the technology to its fullest. He presents her with the spider robots and shows her a box. <laughs> shows her a spider robot. Um, it's like he's a kid and he's trying to impress a little girl with his spider in his box. <laughs> and also the spider. I mean, it looks an awful lot like a sock with pipe cleaners coming out of, yeah. out of it. So it, it does really does have the feel of a of a small boy doing that. Um, and and it and it moves across the floor, and it's it's so being pulled by fishing wire. I mean, there's just it, 
there has been no effort to try and make that look like it's anything other than being pulled along. It's, it's, it's a prediction, though, because now when we make robots now, they tend to look like insects. But no, they weren't thinking along those lines. They were just they, were, they just wanted to cram in as much rubbish as possible. Um, and just to end the, the, this little bit about the robot, the way that the robot meets its demise, it, I thought was hilarious, where it's being fired upon by, uh, by the US Army. And, you know, let's not forget that the original purpose for this robot was to to be a sort of prototype so that uh, Dr. Zorka could make a load more that would actually, yeah, would turn into an army. And this robot is essentially um, defeated by a sort of Gatling gun where it's just fired upon a bit and it explodes. So the robot in the end is not even that good. And uh, there's a scene where it kills somebody as well, the robot. It sort of corners someone in a room, and then and there's a bit of shoving and pushing, and some tables being sort of overturned in the in the the, the ruckus, and then it just sort of squeezes them, uh, uh-huh. squeezes them to death. But I mean, it just takes a, an awfully long time. You think you can't have an army that do that? They would be, they'd no. never win anything, would they? We're going to squeeze the planet to death. <laughs> oh, actually, that was quite That's, good. That was pretty good. That. <laughs> okay, so the robot in the Phantom Cruise. Have we changed our mind about it? I changed my mind when I saw that Rob Zombie has an, a replica of this, which appears on stage with him, and it is pretty cool. It yeah. dances. One thing before we, we leave the Phantom Creeps, I really did just want to sort of tip my hat to Ed Wolf, who was the actor who was in the robot suit. Oh, wow. Who played the robot. So he was seven foot four, but he's also in a film that I think we probably will end up watching quite soon uh, from 1958 called The Colossus of New York. Oh, wow. Uh, which, again, all I've seen are posters of it, and it looks amazing. Is he the Colossus? He's a, he is in the Colossus suit, yeah. Oh, wow. So he's uncredited in, in almost every film that he does, but I thought we should give him a credit because... Uh, that must have been, if nothing else, that must have been a very, very difficult film to shoot. I'd have <laughs> okay, so that is our first robot of this show. And, and the second robot is very different indeed. In fact, I wonder whether we might need to have a little conversation about whether it is even a, a robot. I think we do. We w- are referring to the Tin Man. From the Wizard of Oz. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. There are actually three robot-like creatures in the Wizard of Oz. There's TikTok. Yeah. And there's the Iron Giant, yeah. not to be mixed up with the other Iron Giant. Yeah. And there's the Tin Man. Uh, TikTok and the Iron Giant were made by a company called Smith & Tinker, which uh, exists within the world of Oz. So you've got three different sorts of robots in the Oz universe. TikTok is in the 1980-ish, the film of the 1980s, isn't he? Uh, Return to Oz. Yes, he is. Pleased to meet you. I am TikTok, the Royal Army of Oz. His Majesty the Scarecrow locked me in here and told me to wait for you. Does the Um, Iron Giant ever appear on on screen? If he does, he's going to appear in that one because he's to prevent people from getting to the Gnome King's kingdom. He basically stands at the entrance with a giant hammer 
and slams the ground every time someone gets near him. And I know the Norm King appears in uh, Return to Oz, the the incredibly scary Disney reimagining. I went on to the internet yesterday and put in, is the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz a robot? Mm. And the resounding answer from the internet was no. Oh, wow. Now, this was because they said that if you look at the Tin Man's backstory, then the Tin Man starts out as a human. He does. So what is the backstory of the Tin Man? The backstory of the Tin Man was he was human and he had parts of his body replaced over a matter of time with, with metal. Yeah, that his um he he'd fallen in love with this beautiful young lady. Yes. Um, the mother of the beautiful young lady didn't want the marriage to take place, and so uh, hired the wicked witch of the east west <laughs> to you've got, to you've got three to choose from because one of them's good <laughs> to the one one of the nasty witches from from Oz. Um, the mother paid them to to kind of sort sort it out so that they didn't marry, and so she enchanted his axe, and so that when he was like he would throw a chop to chop a tree, it would always miss and and hit one of his limbs. I mean, it's quite grisly, that isn't it? That actually yeah, he sort is, of yeah, self mutilates himself by chopping off both arms and both legs, and then presumably his head. He's always delighted though when he gets the the uh, mechanical arm. Because it's more powerful, it can, it can cut more trees down. So, so he starts out as human and then ends up as a robot. Yes. Now, I'd say that there is there is a, a well a, a post precedent for this being a robot, or within our robot sort of uh, framework of robots, cyborgs, androids, which is that that's essentially RoboCop, that isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah, it is. and you'd say that RoboCop is a ro. You know, what I mean, that's like like that's. That's a robot, isn't it? Robocop. It's a cyborg. Cyborg, yeah. But it's in that sort of, you know, in our sort of umbrella yeah, yeah. robot definition. Yeah. So I'm saying that the Tin Man is a type of robot. Yeah. He's got mechanical parts. He's been completely replaced by mechanical parts. But I, it pleases me that you could essentially have a double bill feature at a cinema of The Wizard of Oz and Robocop. And there would oh, be a, yeah. a lovely through line. Um, Come quietly or there will be trouble. So we are saying then that the Tin Man can be considered a robot using our umbrella robot definition of robot cyborgs, androids, AI. Yes, yeah. we're going we're gonna to say that. It, we're it, he is a robot. So let's just talk about how, how we see first see the Tin Man. The Tin Man is, is uh, the second of the characters that Dorothy meets on her journey to from Munchkinland to Oz to the Emerald Emerald, Emerald City. City, and she's met the Scarecrow who wants a brain, and now she comes across the Tin Man, um, who's all rusted to begin with. Uh, uh, so I mean, that's not very good, is it? No, he's <laughs> in mid chop as well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And right in the middle of the chop, I I rusted solid. I've been that way ever since. And they they squeeze a bit of oil on him and get him to talk, and he is sad because he hasn't got a heart, and he wants a heart. And I suppose this plays into that idea that he missed out on this love affair with this woman when he was a person, and and over time he was replaced by by metal, so became hardly became a, a man at all at the end. And, and then all he did was he wanted to chop things because he knew that he was like really efficient and could chop 
chop wood really, you know, much better than he could when he was a man, but missed out on love. And so it feels that maybe there's there's a bit of a bit of sadness and a bit of regret uh, within the Tin Man right from the get go. I think that's quite quite an interesting kind of fairy tale premise. I was thinking along the lines of Midas. It's like, be careful what you wish for. He's he's got this wonderful body that can chop many many trees down, and he's going to be proficient at what he does. But he's lost. He's lost in love. He is lost. He, yeah, I think that he definitely. I think, or at least it feels like that. Should, that's the motivation for him, according to L. Frank Baum's own backstory. Backstory of the character. I. Can I just just tip my hat to the lyricists for the song that the uh, the Tin Man sings almost immediately? The line "Just because I'm presuming that I could be a kind of human," I think, is uh, beautiful. It is beautiful, and that carries on the metaphor that makes the Tin Man live forever, really, in robot law. Because you've got two different types of robot. You've got your Pinocchio syndrome and you've got the Tin Man syndrome. One is where an artificial intelligence wants to be human and the other one uh, is the Tin Man. He, he wants to have feelings. He wants to have a heart. And so you've got data from Star Trek Next Generation. So he's Tin Man then, is he? He's Tin Man. He wants to have feelings. He wants to. He wants to be have human emotions and then there's robin williams in bicentennial man who actually goes to court to try to convince everybody that he is he has emotions and they're real he also goes to court because he wants he wants to grow old i mean if this feels a bit like debates that we have now about identity and wanting to identify with a certain in a certain way or with a certain group or yeah yeah it's very broad yeah yeah Okay, good. So the the Tin Man sets off and heads for Oz along with the Scarecrow and the Lion, Cowardly Lion, Cowardly. wants to have courage. And then the upshot of it all is is that they get disappointed when they meet when they encounter the Wizard, and they think that he's stitched them up. He gets them to go and kill the Wicked Witch of the something West, <laughs> Wicked Witch of the West, <laughs> um, and they come back proving that they've killed her and uh, he still won't give them what they want. But then when he is revealed to be the humbug, the wizard... By Toto. By Toto the dog, then he sort of explains to them that they they had what they wanted all along. And he gives them all placebos. He does. He, that's right. He gives the Tin Man a clockwork heart. So, based on that, is the Tin Man a shit robot? No. Yeah, I'm going to say no as well, particularly because I think Jack Haley, who plays him, is just really good. He is. But he was not the first person to be cast. Buddy Ebsen was originally cast as the Tin Man. Now, the production apparently faced a big challenge to create the Tin Man's costume. Lots of tests were done to find the right makeup and the clothes. And ten days into the shoot... Ebsen suffered a reaction to the aluminium powder makeup that he was wearing. He was hospitalised in critical condition and was oh, subsequently wow. forced to leave the project. In a later interview, he recalled that the studio heads appreciated the seriousness of his illness only after he was hospitalised. So no footage of Ebsen as the Tin Man has ever been released, only photos taken during filming and makeup tests. His replacement, Jack Haley, 
assumed Ebsen had been fired, so he wasn't told the reason <laughs> why he'd left the project. The makeup then used for Haley was quietly changed to an aluminium paste with a layer of clown white grease paint underneath in order to protect his skin. Although it did not have the same dire effect on Haley, he did at one point suffer an eye infection from it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. So the Tin Man is quite, a, I suppose, quite a controversial role, just because it it almost killed the first performance. It's a poisonous role, and I think that Jack Haley does an amazing job as the Tin Man. And I I really like the. Um, I know it's a real, it's really sugary and really sappy, but I love the idea that he wants to have a heart, but uh, he's got it all along. He's got it. He doesn't need it. So I I'm going to say that I don't think that he's a shit robot. No, he's not. Because because the kind of the metaphor of the Tin Man lives on in, in robot law, as in, you know, we use it for things like um, data and bison telling a man and AI and, and all of those. And, and in it, it's like Pinocchio, it's this wonderful uh, thing that you can wrap around robot law. Brilliant. So at the moment, the Tin Man in Wizard of Oz is the exception that <laughs> that proves <laughs> our rule. That between Metropolis and Star Wars, there were no good robots. Yes. It's a technicality, <laughs> but yes. It's it's, it's slipped in. It has. But I love it. I'm glad that I'm glad that he's in because I think he's great. He is. Now, if you uh, have listened to this and you've liked it, then don't forget you can give us a little rating on wherever you've listened to, which would be very helpful. And wouldn't wouldn't hurt for you to do that, you know. And if you want to get in touch with us, then you can follow us on Twitter. We are at F-I-F-T-Y-Y-O-S-R. So that's at 50-Y-O-S-R. We'd love you to get in touch. Tell us what you think. Tell us if you think Tim Man is a robot or whether it's not. Uh, Tell us if you uh, like the Phantom Creek robot. You're wrong, but uh, we'll at least (laughs) indulge you. Um, so until next time have a great uh, rest of your um, day slash week slash month slash year whenever you're listening to this um, and we shall see you anon goodbye goodbye did that hurt? no it feels wonderful